down, buckle up and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev Limiter with Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover and your host, Andrew Clark. Hello, welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. The supercar season has fired into life at Bathurst and if there was any doubt about the pecking order, it's been confirmed. And what could best be described as a bit of a flat weekend. And guess what? Triple Eight is the team to beat. F1 testing has been completed and the season kicks off this weekend in Bahrain. And we'll look at if anyone can beat Max Verstappen. Fernando Alonso says 19 people can't win, but maybe not is all what it seems. To help me with supercars, F1 and more, let me introduce Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover. Gents, hello. It was great to see both of you. Yes, it was good to get the team together. Although, uh, you know, there was a lot going on over the weekend, I tell you. I... uh, (laughs) I did my step count over 25 kilometres a day, trying to hide from you two. Well, you didn't do a very good job. I noticed that you aligned yourself on the other side of the room, Paul, for most of the weekend. Well, I was looking for air conditioning, Bruce. As you know, I actually even went out in the commentator's booth there for a while trying to get some air conditioning. And to prove that I am a complete fool, I managed to leave behind the charger for my computer. Yes, there was some strange things going on, but let's move on from uh, that part of the world, Andrew. There must be something more interesting going on than discussing that. Oh, there certainly is plenty of couple of things. So uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on it, Bruce, with you. Did it, did it feel more like a test day than the opening round of the season? Well, Andrew, I'm a big supporter of motorsport in this country. I'm a massive fan of motorsport. Uh, I've invested my life in motorsport, whether as a competitor, as a team owner, and uh, obviously as an investor in the motorsport media. And I have to say that, uh, don't want to be critical, but it was a a very, very lacklustre affair. And um, uh, I'm not even sure it felt like a test day, because at least when there's testing going on, there's possibly something interesting. But let's not dwell on the negative. That's not our job, Andrew. There's plenty of other people out there that want to uh, flag the negative. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, supercars had no choice. They had to take the money from, uh, uh, I think it was New South Wales regional events or New South Wales promotions or whatever it was. Destination New South Wales, it's called. Destination New South Wales. They had a rope around their neck after the council in Newcastle pulled the pin on the Newcastle 500. The only the only way they could take that money and run an event without breaching their agreement was to to run in a regional um, a regional uh, 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 city in New South Wales. And uh, let's face it, there's only two tracks in New South Wales. Okay, people at Wakefield Park are going to say that's otherwise. And there's also a nice little track at uh, Maroolan there at Pheasants Wood. But there's only two tracks in New South Wales, and one of them's at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, under lights, hello, we could have run a nice warm, you know, evening race or Bathurst. And what they did was they took the easy option because they were running the 12 hour and they they ran another event. They had no choice because otherwise uh, they were in breach of an agreement. I don't know what to talk about it because at the end of the day, it was uh, an event they had to run whether they wanted to or not. I thought it, I thought it was actually good yeah. to have the cars on track you know, um, and there was some good supporting action as well, Bruce. You know what I mean? But it it lacked the occasion. You know, when you when I you think, walk. I think PG, that's exactly right. I think. Look again. I say it. I love motor racing. I love being at motorsport events. There were some terrific people out there. Some other support characters that do a good job. And look, at the end of the day, the racing wasn't the most exciting or stimulating, but they did race. But. Bathurst was one of those places when I was growing up to be able to say to people that you knew or you didn't know, I raced at Bathurst, it was a really, really special statement. Um, Racing at Bathurst now, even though it's special, it's not uncommon. There's so many events at Bathurst now and I feel that it's lost its mystique. And um, again, supercars didn't have a choice. They had to run that event and, you know, People said to me it wasn't too bad on TV, but it's it's you know it's a tough place to launch a championship because it's a big track, it's a fast track. There's very little chance of biffo and push and shove and excitement and rubbing panels. It's just a big open fast track. Yeah, the other thing yeah. is you can't have Christmas every day of the year, as somebody said to me. No, you can't. And much more importantly, PG, it's a very long pit lane. It took a while to work out the order of people in pit lane. Now, here we go. Like, we found Brad Jones right up the top end. Uh, now it's all going to change. How are you going to cope with that? Oh, I'll be fine. 
And I noticed in your notes today, you said that Matt Stone Racing will be in position two. Wrong. It's actually, I got it wrong. It's actually, it's actually Groves. So it'll, I, look, I guess it's I guess it's interesting. Yes, I know Matt Stone racing a third, which tells you about the consistency, but also something else we need to talk about today. Um, lots of teams had one car up and one car down. Um, uh, lots yeah. of teams, except one team had two cars up. Yes, correct. <laughs> and that's why they're at the front of the championship. Okay, let's quickly run through some news. So obviously – Hang on a second, Phoenix Andrew. Will... Can I just mention oh. you touched on the pit lane. I, I was a little bit confused. I wandered around for some time trying to talk to my, find my very, very good friend Brad Jones. And and uh, in, eventually, I, in desperation, I wandered up the far end of the pits and there he was. And I did make the comment to them that the they didn't need his higher ladders to uh, plug the lights <laughs> in up that end of the pits. And um, – but uh, he'll be right. He'll have to get the big ladders out for next weekend because they didn't have what you'd call a great weekend. No, but they didn't drop that far in reality. We'll get to all of that a little bit later. So let's quickly roll through the news as we see it. So Brock Feeney, Will Brown shared the wins and pole positions for the first round. Uh, Chaz Mostert was the only real threat, I thought, all weekend. And uh, so he finished a fine third for the weekend and uh, two podiums. So uh, that was an action. That's all we're going to talk about there. One thing that did fascinate me, PG, and I know it fascinated you too, was that Ford Supervan 4.2. Now, I don't like electric cars, but I like that thing. That thing is not a car. That thing is a spaceship. <laughs> it was doing 320 kilometres up the hill and down the hill. I had a long talk after after you disappear with Romain Dumont, who's the uh, French guy who drove his very yep. French pilot. All he needed really was the, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, Perrier water thing across the front of him. He said it took him till his last two runs for him to be able to slow it down. And he said the other thing, of course, is that that Supervan, which is the second of their electric ones, it was designed to do one thing. It was designed to go to Pikes Peak in America. That's all uphill. No downhills and no across the top of the mountain. He said it was only on his last run that he actually had the car sliding. And today I've seen they put up a bit of uh, vision and you can see he stays well away from the curbs everywhere. I think he's a very, very brave man, but he's probably getting paid a lot of money to be brave. Yes, well, he is now the uh, the lap record holder for closed cars. No, he has the fastest time for closed cars. Fastest lap record can only be, as our good mate Will Hagen would punch him in the head for, you can only set a lap record in a race. Yes, okay, fastest um, lap with a group. I, um... I've never seen th- anything accelerate so quickly as that. It, to watch it go down the main straight, it, like the Mercedes-Benz that um, set the fast time and did a 158 or whatever it was the weekend before. 156, yeah. Uh, okay, 156. Let's ca- call it a couple of seconds. It was pretty fast. Yeah. It, it didn't seem – it did certainly didn't have the straight line speed. Um, it carried massive corner speed and massive – Breaking, you know, in a corner. So it was fast in the corners. This thing was just like a, a slingshot off the corners. I've, it accelerated almost like a, you know, like a drag car. It was quite, uh, quite impressive. And of course, it sounded like a jet fighter as it uh, moved on. Anyway, can we stop talking about that because that was just a sideshow. Sideshow. That was like, you know, I don't even know why we're talking about it. They don't even have a story, mate. They didn't give points for it. No. Anyway, there's going to be a story on in the next edition of the magazine so people can read it. So, Bruce, TCM, it's on the way back. And, um, yeah, tell me about our involvement with it. Well, Andrew, um, TCM was pretty much founded in the early days by a group of competitors and um, it ran in that way for for many, many years. And then uh, a few years ago it was brought up in uh, part of ARG's expansion and uh, it came under their umbrella and um, it, w- it was going okay until um, uh, 2023, last year. Um, the majority of the rounds um, went on to uh, Most Sport Australia and ARG rounds. And, um, you know, a lot of the competitors were, I think, frustrated by that and probably a bit disappointed. And, you know, the numbers dropped off to the point where at uh, Simmons Plains, the first round last year, they had nine genuine TCM cars, and even when they went to the Newcastle for the supercar round, um, which was one of the few appearances on supercar rounds, they only had 11 cars, and, um, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom, and a lot of the keyboard warriors were out there smashing it, saying the category's stuffed. It's not. Um, 
there's been a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. Um, Rowan Harmon and Tony Hunter, who were originally involved in the category, together with some very, very important um, competitors, have put a package together and uh, have bought the uh, category back from ARG. Gary Rogers and Barry Rogers were very um, gracious in allowing the competitor takeover, something that we talked about in auto action uh, probably more than six months ago. And, um, yeah, and part of that was that uh, they negotiated to get um, five of the six rounds on supercars, and the first weekend was – the first event was last weekend at Bathurst as part of the Supercars 500 event. And, um, yeah, look, last year I would say hit rock bottom, but it's certainly on the bounce back. They had uh, 17 or 18 cars, genuine TCM cars at uh, Bathurst, and um, – the mood was fantastic. Um, the racing was exciting and colourful and interesting. Stevie Johnson uh, was always going to dominate in that particular car at Bathurst because it's a it's a Mustang track and that's the best Mustang. And Stevie's probably the cream of the crop when it comes to driving, you know, um, ex supercar driver. And uh, but uh, no, it, it was really exciting and auto action, um, we decided to get involved and get behind it and support it. And, uh, yeah, we're working together with with Rowan and, and Tony Hunter and the competitors, and uh, we're trying to help them get some sponsorship, and we got some help from uh, our good friends at AC Delco have come on board, and, um, you yeah, know, it's, it's fantastic. It's exciting. Some pretty cool cars out there, isn't there? Like Mustangs and there's Valiants and there's uh, various sorts of Tiranas, XD Falcons and... Um, I think you know, talking to Rowan over the weekend because we've got a big feature coming up in uh, in the next auto action on it. Uh, it's all about keeping uh, each car competitive, so they're not trying to make the newer cars more competitive than the older cars. So they're trying to structure the rules to to keep it so that you know your Mustangs from the '60s can still compete against Falcons from uh, from the '80s. And I think that's a, it's a really good touch. I think. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. It's not a parity formula because every single car is different. Every one of the unique things about Touring Car Masters is probably, apart from sports sedans, which we're huge fans of as well, is that TCM is not a control category from the point of view of um, the way it's built. You know, it, it, there's a set of rules and regulations and everybody's got their own opinion about how they should be built. So you see three or four Tiranas, um, uh, you know, parked side by side and they're all pretty much doing the same sort of lap times, but they're all very different. And that's one of the great things about it. It's, um, it, you know, the, the winners, the, as you, if you, if you're too successful, there's some pretty simple ways of, of, um, um, slowing them down. They get a rev reduction. They get, uh, um, so every time they win a race, they lose in Stevie's case, lose a hundred revs. So it comes a stage where, you know, if you keep winning all the time, um, you, you lose a lot of revs, but, uh, Racing was entertaining on the weekend. Um, really, there was only one issue, and that was Andrew Fisher had a mechanical issue on Friday in practice and damaged his car, and he wasn't a, he wasn't a starter for the rest of the weekend. But um, it was really exciting. Um, yeah, it was great. Well, the trophy race was the one that I found the most entertaining on the Friday. How did the trophy race work? I'm a bit confused. It's pretty straightforward. The You, you take the qualifying time, so have a practice session, then a qualifying session, and the top 10 – so the first 10 cars get inverted. So the person that qualified 10th becomes the pole winner, and uh, in Stevie Johnson's case, he was faster, so he went back to 10th. The cars behind 10th um, stay in their natural <laughs> qualifying positions. So, But it's interesting. It, it, you know, Danny Bezazovic, who's a bit of a character, he's got the uh, – He's got a car that looks a bit like Alan Grice's A9X Tirana from, you know, the late 70s. Uh, he drives it with a bit of gusto and uh, he's a pretty flamboyant character and he uh, he blows through the field, had a bit of a race with a few people. And um, and that, the idea of the trophy race is to is to, to, to make something a bit different and to, to throw up the possibility of different people um, winning some winning some races. But yeah. it's not it's not a show. It's not a display. I mean, those guys that think they're in with a chance, will drive as hard as they possibly can to win. 
Well, I think that's the thing about race drivers is you don't always do things for points, do you? Like sometimes you're out there to have fun and uh, having fun is passing people and uh, and racing. Um, unlike that Max Verstappen vibe who just wants to sit out front and do it all on his own. You know, real race drivers want to want to dice with people, and that's what I saw in that particular race. Um, yeah. And I also saw it behind Stephen Johnson in the other races as well. Um, not that Steve won all races, by the way. Um, Joel Heinrich won uh, won the second race for the weekend, so uh, two wins for Stevie Johnson, one for Joel, and then obviously um, Danny as you said, won the trophy race. But, yeah, the, the racing was good so long as you uh, didn't look at the front car, which is interesting because, you know, PG's always rabbit on about, you know, Formula One and how great the racing is behind Max Verstappen um, and pretty much the same here. But the difference is Stevie Johnson will come back to the pack when the track doesn't suit the Mustang or when the revs are dropped or whatever it is. So, you know, maybe we want to rule or Darwin, you know, uh, he won't be running it so easy. No. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, that car was always going to be fast at Bathurst. It's long, it's low, it's fast, it's got a big engine. It's probably one of the last most recently built um, TCM car, Touring Car Masters cars, so it's pretty well developed. Um, and Russell Hancock, who owns it, has got, uh, he's not scared to, um, to, to support the car. He's got some good sponsors on board. And um, Stevie drives it really well. But, yeah, they get to some other slower, smaller tracks in the you know, Ryan Hansford in the Tirana and, uh, you know, there's a couple of other quick Camaros. Joel's obviously going really well. Um, so, yeah, look, it'll be it'll be an exciting uh, series and I know that the fans love it. Um, and, again, it's, it's a, this is a rebuild year. It's all about getting the getting Touring Car Masters re-established um, so that, you know, there's going to be a bit of travel. They're going to Perth, so lucky the Perth fans will get to see them. They're going back to Darwin. Um, Sydney Motorsport Park. There's a round, uh, and then Sandown for the uh, one. It will be one of the last rounds of the year, and um, everybody loves TCM at Sandown. So, look, it's really exciting, and we decided at Auto Action that um, we wanted to be part of helping grow the category, and that's what we've done. I mean, it's it's great to be part of it. As the the viewers know, that I've still got my Tirana, um, so I've been heavily involved in it over the years. But this is a different situation, and um, we're uh, we're we're excited and um, look. There was just a really nice camaraderie. Everybody was pleased that it went well. There was lots of pats on the back and from everybody, and uh, it was it was really enjoyable. There's a one Tirana for sale, or is Brucey making a comeback? Oh, someone wants to. Someone needs a really really good car. They can always call me. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to be back out there. So there's two choices: either someone <laughs> can buy the car from me, or help me fund some racing. Either way. Yes, well, let's hope we sell it because, you know, you're getting a bit old now, Bruce. So. Oh, stuff off. As, <laughs> I said to, did... as I said to Jim Richards about 10 years ago when he asked me to come and race in TCM, <laughs> I said, well, Jim, there's a possibility because I'm finally old enough to get involved in TCM now. <laughs> Yes, anyway. All right, well, that's TCM. Uh, I think it's a, it's an exciting looking year for them. And uh, as you said, it's a transition year. Uh, one of their fans, of course, I spoke to over the weekend is Shane Howard, the CEO of Supercars. So uh, I think if they um, if they do what they did on the weekend and keep it going, we're going to see a lot more of TCM on the Supercars undercard in the future. Yeah, and don't forget, we've got a, uh, a really nice feature looking at the regrowth and all the relaunch of TCM in our next issue, Andrew, which you've... Uh... You've written your writing for us. Yes, we have. So let's move on. Before we get onto our uh, onto our rambling uh, looser stuff, we'll do the NASCAR. Shane Van Gisbergen uh, starred, starred with third place in his Xfinity race in only second super speedway run. Uh, Austin Hill won the race for the second time this season. Uh, Van Gisbergen, of course, is off to Las Vegas this weekend, uh, along with the NRL from Australia, who are uh, opening their season in Las Vegas. So maybe a few people will go out and watch him race this weekend. Uh, Atlanta, Las Vegas, almost identical speedways in terms of their construction. Uh, the uh, three-wide run at the checker, as they call it in NASCAR, uh, in the main race was pretty spectacular. Daniel Suarez uh, booked his spot in the playoffs by the thickness of the paint on his splitter. Three one-thousandths of a second over Ryan Blaney with Kyle Busch a further four one-thousandths behind. So three wide across the strike. It was pretty spectacular, Bruce. Is that the closest finished ever in a, in a motorsport event? Or would have to be if it's not one of them? No, there's I'd one at Indy. There's one. At, there's a there's a champ car Indy car one, which is half a nose cone, I think, which is the, the closest. Because the other thing is over the finish line, they were doing like 200 miles an hour. I can't think of the one it was, but I think yeah. that's the closest. 
Seven one thousands for the first three, pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, it was spectacular too. Three wide. It's. Uh, I mean, Bruce, you've raced out on an oval. It's uh, not as easy as it sounds, is it? No, but it's uh, it is a competitive formula, and uh, they race hard and fast, and uh, they manage to go across the f- the finish line, uh, all pointing in the same direction. Which is sometimes uh, that can be a bit tricky in NASCAR. They can sometimes be going backwards in that situation. Well, and sometimes they can be going upside down, Bruce. On their roofs, indeed. Paul. <laughs> yes, That's exactly. They have been bikes go over the line ba- upside down and backwards. Yeah, no, they're very good at doing all sorts of things. But that's a great place for us to take a break and have a listen Hang to on, the Hang on, I just want to say, just one thing about SVG. There's been a few people say, oh, you know, he wouldn't have been there if he if the others hadn't run out of petrol. He didn't run out of petrol. He managed his fuel. He stayed in the lead bunch. There was a bit of strategy played out, and he had the same pace as the, three, the two cars in front of him when the race finished. So at the end of the day, for those people who think, oh, he lucked into it, no, nah, you don't finish third in an infinity race. Um, by by lucky by luck, he uh, it's part of his learning progress, and um, it, to me, it just reinforces that he's uh, he he will um, he'll be someone you know in the future that'll be well worth watching. Anyway, let's have a listen to the Gilligan's tour to the Chicago Street Race. So viewers, the Chicago Street Race is coming, and trust me, it's a weekend well worth the effort. But rather than planning it all and running around and booking flights and accommodation and hire cars and whatever else is needed, why not just join the Gilligan's Tour? So if you want to watch Shane Van Gisbergen defend his inaugural title and try to add the Xfinity race as well this year, there is a very easy way to do it. And who knows, I might even join in as well. But as well as the getting the race in, and the two-day pass with reserved seats to catch all the action, the team at Gilligan's have lined up a short Route 66 tour as well, taking in the first 100 miles of the famous road with an overnight stay in Pontiac, Illinois. And you'll also be in Chicago for the July 4th Independence Day celebrations. All up, it's a 10-day tour to the Windy City, leaving Australia or New Zealand on the 3rd of July with accommodation at this Congress Plaza Hotel on South Michigan, right on the edge of the track. So if you want to join the tour, go to Gilligan's Route 66 com to book a place now, but don't wait long because spots are limited. Welcome back to the Rev Limiter. Let's uh, start with the positives from the Supercar Weekend. Feeney and Brown were impressive, weren't they? Uh, but can I tell you, Red Bull Racing dominated the first round last year, and they didn't dominate the season. So uh, I'm not sure they're going to get it all their way after this weekend. What do you think, yeah, guys? But they didn't get rubbed out this time, did they? No, they didn't. Um, but that's it. I mean, Brody won the championship by more than 150 points, so it didn't make that difference. I just think it's about um, we, we're all coming away saying, oh, Red Bull are just going to dominate. But uh, we said the same thing after Newcastle, and it wasn't the case. So I'm a little bit hopeful that, um, that that's our aberration, that uh, Red Bull is just bloody good at Bathurst. No, Can I, I just say, uh, before yep. you start rambling, if we took Chaz's car and the two Red Bull cars and took them to a track where – the high, there's no massive high speed like there is at Bathurst, and we didn't touch the cars. I'd be very curious to think to see how they went. I would suggest to you that um, that WAU Mustang um, would be pretty would be pretty efficient and pretty fast on a on a circuit that relies on uh, a bit of aero downforce. And I think that car at Sydney Motorsport Park would be very very quick. Yeah, I, I think, think you're absolutely right, Bruce. There is the discussion, obviously, on parity, which we will get to in a minute, but uh, it certainly raised its head again. But um, I, I'm not convinced one way or the other at the moment, so I'm, I'm, I think that there's a lot to be learned about that part of it. Um, in fact, maybe let's have that chat now. So for the first time, they had talk sensors on two cars on Friday, so um, uh, on the car number 11 and car number 88. So they've got real-world data out of the cars on the track. Obviously, it's not like a transient dyno where all the conditions are controlled. So we still need that transient dyno to confirm everything that we've got. They took engines out of two Fords and out of two Chevrolets to test. Uh, But uh, Chaz Mostert was very critical of the top line speed, but he was bloody fast across the top. So it it kind of raises the question about setup. You can set your car up in many different ways, can't you, Bruce? And you can go fast in a straight line or you can go fast in the corners. Well, there are many, many things that change the car, and Chaz was consistently two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half tenths faster across the top of the mountain. Um, You know, when he was following Will in that second race on Sunday, he would be maybe eight-tenths behind him at the bottom of the hill. By the time they got to Forest Alba, he'd be back to three, three three-and-a-half tenths. 
by the bottom of the hill, you know, the long con ride, he'd be back at uh, seven or eight tenths. So the car obviously had a lot of, was set up for, for corner speed and carrying speed. And so many things can change that. And I think Larko touched on it. But what, like one or two, one and a half degrees of rake or half a degree of rake, and that's the angle from the front of the car to the back of the car, can have a massive difference in terminal speed. It also, by changing the rake, changes the roll centre. It changes the angle of attack on the on the rear wing, but it changes the angle of attack on the whole car. So rake, for example, has a has an effect on top speed. They may well have had um, some shock absorber settings that allowed the car to to squat and maybe drive off the corner. Those sort of things have have an effect on on top speed and I say again there's only one place in the country where the cars go as fast as they do in a straight line and if you took half of those two straights out I'd say Chazzy was probably carrying the same sort of lap speed as what um, as what uh, the two Red Bull cars would have had. Well, I think yeah. the other thing to look at is that uh, if we say and we, and we know from the from the data in the wind tunnel that the Mustang was a disadvantage for most of the season aerodynamically um, the Camaros have got essentially the same package. So the Fords are still kind of learning. They're still trying to play that little bit of a catch-up on in terms of air. And I, I won't take yeah, a long Andrew, to get on I top of again, it. I say again, those are engineering choices. Red Bull went yeah. a particular direction with their cars and they were fundamentally not as fast across the top of the mountain in that middle sector as the WAU Mustang was. You know, um, Chaz's engineer and Chaz himself went for a slightly different thing. Now, in terms of ultimate lap times, they weren't far off in qualifying, but yeah. they achieved it in a different way. That's purely set up. I, d- I would argue vigorously that the par- that's nothing to do with parity. Bathurst well, is a massive track, and if you go down the route of carrying corner speed and high speed across the corner, you will lose speed down the straight. It's that simple. Yeah, and the other thing is, Bruce, you only had to watch the Mustangs driving down the pit lane over the three days. They all had different rakes, different rear ride heights, different, different, different. You know, they're... um, They're still learning, Paul. I think what 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 Andrew says is right. They've probably got a package now. It's going to take them a few races to sort it out. You know, at the end of the day, the Camaro could well be running a setup that they almost had. Don't forget, the Camaro's had a change too. They've changed. They've lost grip. They've lost downforce off their front splitter. They've got a different front splitter on their front splitter. Sorry. I'll say that again. They've got a different front, 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 a different front splitter. So put your, put your changes had, in. Sorry, it's easy for you to say. They've got a different front splitter, so they've got yeah, a slightly right. different, and their rear wing is different as well. So there have been some aerodynamic changes, but let's not yeah. forget Red Bull in the championship hunt last year. Every other Ford team until the end of the year was nowhere. Um, yep. And there was only one Ford team that really got their act together towards the end of the year, and that was Grove. Um, yep. So everybody's learning again. Red Bull's pretty – I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Erebus did an, an enormous job last year. They blew everybody out of the water. Um but, you know, Red Bull were right there and, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty pretty well-organised team. They've got two young gun drivers and um, so, therefore, there's, you know, there's um, – it's not surprising that they rolled the out. Package, the package is there. Yeah. Interesting. When I talked to Todd Hazelwood after Friday, he I said, what's the single biggest difference you notice getting in the Erebus car? And he was talking about – he said there are a lot of one percenters about it. He said, but the real thing is – the car is right in the middle of the setup window and they know where to move it around. And that's that's exactly a reflection of why they were so good last year, why Red Bull is so good this year. I, I think the single most fascinating thing for me out of the weekend is I've started I've stopped my start watch, as Murray Walker used to say, to work out when Will Brown and Brock Feeney are going to crash into each other because it's going to happen and it's yeah. going to happen. Fairly soon. I'm, I'm not so sure. I think that um, I think they're they're pretty well organised, those guys. But again, if we'd had that first round at um, Sydney Motorsport Park, or Phillip Island, or uh, Queensland Raceway, or a track like that, I would been I would have been happy to have my money on Chaz. I think on a medium high speed dr- uh, track with a where there's downforce required I think that that car would have worked really really well Bathurst is a bit of a weird place it, it's neither one nor the other it's a combination of a lot of things 
Um, yeah. So, you know, Red Bull probably deserved to win. I mean, it's simple as that. So I don't think we need to dwell on it too long. No. Anyone that's crapping on about parity probably doesn't understand motorsport. Did he, That's you, Andrew. No, Andrew's not crapping on about parity. He's just poking and probing. No, no. He's, no, no, my, my point is that uh, it's way too early to discuss parody in any meaningful way. So uh, I think the bleeding that's gone on over the weekend, I think is just white yeah. noise that we need to ignore for the moment until yeah. we've got more evidence. I mean, one, one racetrack, one meeting does not give us no. any evidence no. to, to do yeah. anything. Uh, it's I very the, different to last year. I think the Ford fans should be pretty heartened. I mean, Chaz was in the fight. It's as simple as that. He was in the fight. You know, they had a slightly different pit stop strategy. And let's not forget, they had a wheel that they had a tyre that went on that didn't go on that they put another one on. And that could have been the difference. I mean, it's that simple. Every You know, that's the reality. Anybody that says that didn't cost him potentially winning the race doesn't understand motorsport. That potentially cost him the race. So we could have been, we could have had a triple eight win on Saturday and a WAU win on Sunday. So. I don't think anybody needs to get their knackers in a knot or their knickers in a knot or any of the other parts of their aperture in any knots. Okay, so Matt Stone Racing, um, I thought they were pretty good. They brought back the real Nick Perkett, didn't they? Oh, well, I think I might have mentioned six months ago, Nick needed to go into that uh, outback toilet. He needed to get the bar of Solvol, give himself a damn good cleanse, wash all the bullshit off himself. Sorry, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. All the... All the superior and, um, here we say, la-di-da and the, the uh, he needed to get back to basics and being a racing car driver, not being a superstar. And, uh, you know, I think Matt Stone's the right place for that. Matt won't cop any of that r- rubbish. I mean, you know, they wear very, very plain deodorant down there. There's nothing fancy. There's no man's perfume. And uh, they're down there to do a job. And uh, I think Nick might have cleansed himself for all that peripheral uh, la-di-da stuff. And good to see him. I mean, you know, he was a talent. He was a young talent. And he needs to uh, show himself again. He's been given a lifeline, given an opportunity. And he needs to uh, deliver for Matt Stone and his team. Absolutely. It was interesting, (laughs) wasn't it, to see some of the blokes who re-emerged. Davey Davey Reynolds. Why do you say Davey re-emerged? If I'm not no, no, very no. much mistaken, Davy emerged at, at Queensland Race at, at the Gold Coast last year. Yeah, he, yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm, no, I mean Davy, Davy, not just the race car driver. Well, Watching I mean, him we over could, the weekend, yeah. he's back in his happy place. Yeah, and, and he's bouncy, he's enjoying yeah. life. And I can tell you, and I don't want to sound like I'm a sycophantic fan because I'm not necessarily, but I think we've observed the three of us, particularly Andrew and I, but and, and possibly even more myself because I've been down there a little bit, but we did that exclusive interview with Adrian and um, Charlie uh, a few weeks ago on, on Adrian's first day in the job, and he was pretty straight up and down about what he wanted and the way he wanted to approach it. And yep. Andrew and I observed something... Pretty pretty interesting and I think quite unique. And that was at the end of the day, it was probably about 6, 6.30, and every single person in the Team 18 team, it didn't matter whether it was the, the caterer or whatever, they were all in the back of the garage. They were all in a big in a big circle. And uh, Adrian spoke and, and talked about how things went and Charlie had a little speak and, and Frosty had a talk about how he felt things and, and Reynolds had a, had a chat. And in between there was lots of clapping and, and yeah. the boys, the drivers were saying, you know, you guys busted your ass for us when we asked for a change. We the change was made, and we we spoke to Adrian. We've got a little chat in the next issue of the mag, and basically he said that he came away with a notepad. He said it wasn't a perfect weekend. It was there was a lot of little mistakes, a lot of mistakes made. But he actually found himself cheering on the TV screen. You know, Frosty charged from 24th to 14th or whatever it was. He passed a lot of cars. And, yep. But he's got a notepad full of half a percenters and one percenters. And, you know, it's it's. I'm really pleased for Adrian. I'm particularly pleased for Charlie and those core group of people he's had around him for a while. And let's hope that, you know, Davey's injected a bit of enthusiasm and that Mark can pick himself up. You know, with that enthusiasm and, and the fact that Adrian has maybe brought something a bit tougher and a bit more realistic, it looked like a footy team, you know, yeah. like a, a country footy team that had, had a pretty good result. They didn't win, but they can see that, you know, things are worthwhile. What did well, you I think, think Andrew? The other thing is, I think the other thing is, Bruce, they look like a team. 
Yeah. You know, it didn't look like a couple of superstar drivers competing with each other. You know, I watched a couple of times when they were going out and they were generally, genuinely interested in the other bloke going well. Yeah, I think there's something brewing there. I think they're they're on the way up. They've they've recruited really well in the off season. It's not just Dave Reynolds; it's a couple of other people they put in the workshop as well. Some pretty serious uh, and as you said, Bruce, the atmosphere and the vibe. Yeah, oh, yeah the just feeling around the place was great. But, but the engineering team that Adrian and Charlie have been able to drag in. I mean, they've got some pretty serious heavy hitters in there. But when you say things are brewing, Andrew, could that have something to do with the tradie beer that's on the side of uh, David's car? <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but it's very clever uh, of me, wasn't it? That's, that's what the fans have missed since I haven't been around, mate. It's my quick wit. <laughs> well, no, they missed other things, not your wit. <laughs> the three fresh faces on the grid, Aaron Love, Ryan Wood, Jackson Evans. Did any of them impress you at all? Uh, I thought Ryan Wood showed heaps and heaps of pace. And interestingly, in the press conference on Sunday night, um, Ryan Walkinshaw was talking him up and reckons he's a champion. Um, Jackson, I had a I had a bit of a chat to. Um, I, and I talked to Brad today. He's really not happy about where they're at. He doesn't think that any of their drivers showed their real potential on the weekend. Um, and Love, well... He managed to have he managed to rinse and repeat and have the same crash twice. So you got to ask uh, the question. Three. No, he actually had three. Uh, no, no, but third, two the same. He had two the same on Saturday's race and a third one, which was a little bit different. Um, my take in is is that um, Ryan Wood, you know, there's a lot of chat around him. Um, yeah, he, he nearly got in the top 10 in qualifying, except like a few other blokes, he completely ignored the double wave yellows and got pinged for it. Um, Aaron Love, um, I'm, look, I love, I think Love is a good little steerer. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I think the jury's out on Aaron. And yep. I think Jackson, Jackson Evans is a really good racer. Um, but, with all these cars being exactly the same, if you don't qualify in the front row, pretty hard to pass somebody. And, you know, unfortunately for BJR, they had two cars that shared the, the last row of the grid, I think, in both races. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Bradley was very not happy today. But uh, but Bathurst is one of those things. Do you remember a few years ago where they were really, really quick in practice and then they made some wholesale changes at Bathurst and yep. their cars were – last, second last, third last and fourth last and I yeah. think that there's something in the water at BJ when it comes to a bit of a setup thing because Andre was nowhere. They obviously went down an avenue. Um, let's not call it a road or a street. I think they went down an avenue and maybe they got a little bit lost in the process. Yeah, Brado was saying that, the, that they were trying to make a good qualifying car and they may have made a – and they got, they got a bit blindsided, I think. So the interesting thing to me, guys, is that uh, we watched the Super 2 race, which is where um, these guys come from. Six racing laps to the weekend. Obviously, it's worth a truckload of points if you're doing your Super license. Do they get enough racing experience to step up into the main game when they've done Super 2? Well, it's their own stupid fault for crashing into each other in the most some of the most ridiculous crashes I've seen in a long time. It's like watching my 14-year-old go out on his mountain bike. It's just it, – it was – some of the stuff on the weekend was just stupid. There were yeah. – sorry, there were 11 rookies in that field of however many there were, 24 or 28 or whatever. Um, and funnily enough, I'm not sure that the rookies were the ones that did most no, of the damage. No, they weren't. No, it um, was the midfielders. It was very, very disappointing. Um Saturday's race was quite was was really so. Let's for the viewers that don't understand. Um, last year they changed the regulations. They used to be races of of um, a number of laps, and quite often they might have been twenty laps or whatever. Um, the, they changed the rules now to be a minimum of forty minutes. So they have one race on Saturday, one race on Sunday. Now forty minutes is a pretty reasonable time. They did that to try and encourage the the young people uh, who are trying to find their way in the sport in very, very, very quick cars to maybe not make the lunge at the first corner. But we saw some pretty rudimentary stuff. One of the things that was going through the pit lane, and this is for our friends in the other parts of the media, they'll jump on this, is that um, 
the main game drivers are all allowed to do practice starts on the main straight at the end of their, I think, first or second practice session. They're all yep. allowed to do that. Now, think about this. They're all in the main game. They've been racing these cars for a while, and they're allowed to do it. One of the stupid issues is that the kids, some of them who have never this, – this was their very, very, very first event on slick tyres yeah. – were not allowed to do practice starts in cars where they run the biggest drop gears or the biggest diff ratios they will ever run. And we saw a number of cars stall on the grid. Young um, uh, Job Stewart from Mount Gambia, who was in the Erebus car, he was on the front row or the second row and he stalled. They were very lucky they didn't get any crashes. But there was some absolute gar garbage went on. I think we did a bit of a story in the mag on the website on Saturday night. And there were cars troweled everywhere. You know, it was carnage city and some of the stuff that went on was childish because the track was blocked and people were still piling in. So it's, it's very disappointing to see the way they read, but what staggers me even more, Bruce, is that Kai Allen's walking away from with 300 points in the championship and they had six green laps for the weekend. I don't Absolutely. think they should have been points in that first race. No, no, you're dead right. They did. But that was the bizarre thing about it because they trundled around. So they didn't do one full green lap in the first race, but because they trundled around behind the safety car for the equivalent of two-thirds of the race, that counted. Now, yeah. that in itself is really, really silly, stupid. I don't want to be critical of supercars, but you need to think about this stuff. There's some people who were innocently taken out in that first race who will now yep. probably struggle to to, um, to to get anywhere near the points. Having said that, it's, you know, Kai Allen did everything he could. He got, um, got a pole position and he won the races and he did a good job and he reinforces what a talent he is, what a lovely kid he is and, you know, um, he'll go far. We know that. We already know that he's – there are team, supercar main game team – chasing after him now. Young Job Stewart was super impressive. He won the Super 3 Championship last year. He was um, really, really fast. He was qualified in the second row in the first race, on the front row in the second race, and basically gave uh, Kai Allen uh, uh, a bit of a hurry up. Two kids from Mount Gambia. There's obviously something in that blue water. Little shout out though, young Jared Hughes. He's never raced a car on radial slick tyres before. Uh, another car out of the Erebus Image Racing by Erebus Stable. And um, he uh, finished fifth in that shortened race on Saturday and raced, I think, to eighth or ninth in the... Um, in the uh, race on Sunday and uh, an amazing talent. He's the young kid that did really, really well in 86 series and um, wiped the floor with a few people in the Trans Am race at the end of last year. Very, very proud to say that that car carries some auto action stickers on it and our friends at AC Delco also support uh, young uh, Jared as well. Yes. Excellent. So let's move on from Super 2. The championship as it stands is uh, Kai Allen on 300 points, Aaron Cameron 258, and Brad Vaughan on 231. Jared Hughes, as you mentioned, he's sitting sixth in the championship. And Cam McLeod, who I'm sure we will be talking about in the future, is 10th in the championship. Um, let's go through a couple of things that didn't quite go so well on the weekend. Tickford, who's got some thoughts there? I, I, I was flabbergasted uh, at Cam Waters' weekend. I have no idea what was going on in the there. The wheels fell and, off, Paul. Yes, I know, but but the whole <laughs> week, literally, the wheel fell off. But the wheel fell off pretty well from the start of the weekend. I could they have had a worse weekend? Probably not. Um, no, it was quite strange. Much. It was pretty bad, really. I mean, um, they were they were they obviously redeemed themselves on Sunday with a fourth place with. Um, Young uh, Thomas Randall, Thomas in the Castrol car, um, and he drove really well, solidly. But again, Cam was nowhere. Um, he did move. He did move through the field, but gee, you know, Tickford is supposedly one of the powerhouse Ford teams, um, and them along with uh, their friends from Queensland, uh, DJR. I mean, ugh, you know, if you were Ford Australia, you'd be wanting to give them a bit of a tune up, wouldn't you? I just want to tell you now, the website and the app still don't work, so I'm very unhappy with that part of it. Now, we have one other question, and uh, I'm not sure we can get to it today, so we might end up carrying it over for next week. But there's a there's a telco sponsoring a poll award. It's having a bit of a sook. 
Um, do we want to talk about that this week or are we going to no, do that next week, guys? No, why do we want to have a talk about why give oxygen to something like that? This is the same telco, Sook, Sook, that said they were not going to engage in any future sponsorship and then they turn up sponsoring stuff. No, sorry, move on. All right, let's round out the supercars then. Championship, Will Browns on 288, Proc Feeney 279, Chas Moss at 267. And then we have a bit of a fall away to Richie Stanaway, Dave Reynolds, Dick Perkett, Thomas Randall, Matt Payne, Bryce Ford and James Golding with Cam Waters all the way down in 20th spot. And the team's championship, the all-important team's championship, because now it defines the pit lane order, it's Red Bull Racing Ampole from Penrite from Matt Stone Racing, Team 18, and then the A-team at Brad Jones Racing. So just quickly, Andrew. You, just quickly, Andrew. I would like to touch on the touch-up that uh, Golding got from uh, from yes. uh, Brock. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Golding did a really good job to get into the top ten. He got a beautiful start in that Sunday race, and it would appear that if you play your cards right and you push someone, you move someone off the racing line, and you gain a position, five seconds isn't a big penalty to pay. So I'd just like to acknowledge that um, young uh, Golding went back seven or eight spots as a result of that, and the bloke that moved him off didn't lose a position, ultimately. Yes, I did think that was interesting uh, when you see it happen that way. It's a, uh, well, the penalty, surely the penalty could be go behind the other person who knocked off the track or something similar. But, uh, yeah, certainly James Golding, he got stiffed. Yeah, big time. Anyway, we've got a few minutes, so let's quickly run through Formula One. Uh, can Ferrari be a contender? Maybe. If it, can it, Well, the real question <laughs> Maybe. is, can anybody be a contender? Are we really? talking about the wow. second place? Yes, that's what I meant. Is can anybody beat the Red Bull? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one to work out because Mercedes traditionally has never really put its best foot forward in testing anyway, so they maybe have something up their sleeve. Um, yeah, they the- want to have they want to have something really big up their sleeve. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. It could be a very boring season if we're going to have another Max Verstappen whitewash. Um, that's all I want to say. It'll, uh, in fact, I don't think I'll even turn on the television if it turns out that way. Oh, you're going to rely on me again to do all your research for you, Clarky. <laughs> well, if it's just going to be that way, I'm not interested. So Formula One yeah. needs to get its act together. They need to work out how to make a competitive series. Yep. Uh, the pecking order seems to be Red Bull Racing, Max Verstappen, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, or Mercedes and McLaren, because it's easy McLaren Mercedes, but they seem yeah. to be on about the same sort of level. Then we've got the Red Bull Racing Sergio Perez car uh, next. Aston yeah, Martin. B team. Yep, Aston Martin, RB, Sauber, Williams, Alpine, and Haas seems to be the order for those cars after testing. Yeah, it's going Maybe. to be interesting, I think. The other thing will be that some of the guys who are at the back traditionally don't develop well either. So it's it pretty soon early in the season, if they don't get their act together, they'll get out-developed, and that's the real worry. Yeah. Then that becomes really boring because you don't even have a midfield battle. But interesting, you know, lots of lots of huggy-huggy, nice-nice between Oscar and uh, that Pommy kid uh, saying how wonderful they're getting on. Let's see how long. That'll be like Brock Feeney and Will Brown. It will be. To me, the interesting thing was Alpine is um, just way off the pace. So the Renault or the Alpine works team, it's just it's completely missed the, the setup this year. Not a surprise. Uh, Bahrain is this weekend. Yep. The race is this weekend. We get it at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon in Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. So um, really nice time for us. In fact, the first four races for the year are all on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, really, really it's good. It's like living in Britain, really, because that's what they get for the rest of the year. Yeah, it sure is. All right, is there anything else you guys want to cover before we shut this one down? Is that uh, it? That's it. Uh, yeah. What have you got? Have you got a whack waiting for us, Bruce? No. No. No, no you, know what they, you know what they say, boys. If you haven't got anything nice to say about anybody, you just don't say anything. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, there was certainly plenty going on up at up at Bathurst, even if the racing was boring. So, uh, um, and again, you know, let's let's just let that all play out because uh, as people keep telling us, who seem to think they know what's going on, the facts will one day reveal themselves, and then we can start talking about it again. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast, and the digital magazine is available online and in the shops. Sign up for your free digital magazine starting in April. But more importantly, if you like getting the hard copy of the magazine, you need to sign up now for a subscription because from April, it won't be, well, it might be in some news agencies, but it won't be in most of the Willapers. 
No, no, no. We're going to uh, find out who the main news agencies are. We're going to tidy it up a little bit, but yeah, that. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the big the digital magazine for, will be fantastic. Um, and for those of you that like the hard copy, it'll still be available if you want it. Yes, and so it uh, won't cost you any more to have it delivered to your door, no. uh, which is sensational. If you live in Perth or any one of those far-flung places, you will get it much quicker than you would get it waiting for it to arrive. Well, if you're in Tasmania or Perth, you get it on Thursday or Friday, the, the day we go to print. So it's an amazing service. It costs you no more. So, yes, Barry from Launceston will be very happy to get his so quickly, won't he? He, he will indeed, and as will Greg from, from Launceston yes. and uh, various other people in around well, the country. And Paul from the Gold Coast, who's already been getting his that way and gets it before the local news agent. Exactly. Oh, does he? Yeah, I do. I get, it lucky. Post. I get it in the post before my local news agent. Do we know anybody from Perth that we can bring into this conversation? Sorry, uh, Ben Searcy, the Australian Pacific Rally Champion, gets his copy on a Thursday or Friday as well. Excellent. Excellent. Anyway, as I said, don't forget to like, subscribe, because um, yeah, we want people to find this podcast. We've got Bruce back. He's back. Um, we, we're going to do a little bit of thing at the start, but we thought we were going to run out of time. But uh, good to have you back, Bruce. Um, this time well, you've got fuel in day. your car. <laughs> yeah, it's been a big day, as we know. Um, just I will I, I will drag this out a little bit. It was a, a big day today, sa- a sad day and a celebration day that um, yeah. those of us have been in the sport for a long time. Dana Wyhoon, who's the wife of Terry and mother of Ryan um, had been very, very unwell for the last uh, nine or ten weeks, and sadly she passed away last week, and uh, that was very sad news for many of us. I'd just like to thank Supercars because they embraced um, Terry and the Image Racing by Erebus um, team, the junior team in Super 2, and uh, the, every car in the f- Super 2 f- and Super 3 field carried a little acknowledgement of Dana Wahoon and um, young Ryan, who's 14, who's been a, an, an amazing part of the journey with Dana and uh, Terry, um, was given the opportunity. There was a minute silence before the first race on Saturday, on Saturday and young Ryan got up in the box and waved the, gr- the green flag, and uh, that was... Um, I was I appreciated that um, what they did, and I know that a lot of other people that were touched by Dana and and uh, the relationship that she had with the entire Super Two field and Super Three people were also very uh, pleased and thanked um, Supercars. So today, calling the the line might be a bit scratchy because I'm in beautiful downtown Currumbara. There's been a big service. There's been lots of people here. Um, and, yeah, we've celebrated Dana's life uh, today on Tuesday afternoon. So, again, thanks for, for the people that acknowledged her and her relationship in the sport. And most importantly, Bruce, I think it is that this is where you see the really good side of the sport. So, you know, we see and we hear and we talk about the crap side of it, but uh, when the sport needs to, it wraps its arms around people who, uh, who are part of it and, uh, and give them everything they need. Yeah, and some of their fierce rivals were here today to pay respect. And, uh, yeah, so that's why I'm talking to you on a scratchy phone line because I'm sitting in the car park in uh, Currumbara having had an afternoon of uh, celebration of Dana's life. Excellent. Well, thanks for that, Bruce. Um, We will catch you next week, hopefully. You won't run out of fuel. You won't be sick. All of the things that have happened to you over the last couple of weeks, we'll be back and you should be firing next week. So uh, we'll talk to you then. Yeah, you will. And and PG, thanks for your time. We'll um, chat next week again, hopefully. uh, Yep. Yeah, it'll be fun. See what sort of mischief you can get up to in the next uh, couple of days. All (laughs) righty. All right, viewers, thank you. uh, And yeah, we'll be back next week. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show. And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version. It's out every second Wednesday night and the print version is available on Thursday wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening and thanks for understanding.